I'm Leonard Nimoy. Join me for In Search of... An Artemis! Hi, this is Jim Gentile. Welcome once again to In Search of an Argument. And if you haven't already listened to the bonus episode recorded by the Vagina Chicks, please do so and you will realize why John and I will soon be permanently retired from this podcast because we don't really add anything of great value. (laughs) But nonetheless, we're here today with two of the three Vagina Chicks, Shelly and Peggy, and we have a guest today. Our guest today is Richard Tobin. He is a Glaswegian-born doctor who has lived all over the world. He currently lives in Australia. He's a musician, a traveler, a consumer of international culture, and uh, an all-amount Renaissance man. According to John, he's a politically engaged polyglot immigrant with, above all, a profound knowledge of Scottish football. Welcome to the podcast, Richard Tobin. Thank you very much, Jim. That actually makes me sound far more windswept and interesting than I actually am. Well, but bless you. Know, John you. <laughs> is good at making people sound better than they are. I think oh, that's one come of on. his talents in life. <laughs> um, Richard, we begin this podcast, except when the vagina chicks are in charge, by doing what we call top of mind, which is to say, What's at the front of your mind? So, Richard, what's at the front of your mind right now? The front of my mind. So, um, I am in Western Australia, which is a little bit further away from you than the Eastern Seaboard of Australia. (laughs) And my daughter, Katie, lives in Sydney. So, we were just discussing, because it's kind of dinner time here, we were just discussing over dinner how we missed our daughter, Katie, in Sydney. So, there we go. How old is your daughter, Katie, in Sydney? Um, So, Kate's 23 and is doing very well for herself. She's working in a marketing company in Sydney and is working throughout COVID and they've just they've, they've just kind of lifted the restrictions there so she's kind of back to some kind of semblance of normal but um, yeah so if you ever hear this Kate uh, love you dad listen to your father whenever <laughs> he's sweet. on a podcast Kate I have three children the youngest of whom is about is turning 30 later this year and they never listen to any of these podcasts <laughs> But um, they hear enough from me without hearing the podcast. Shelly, what's on the top of your mind? Like nothing. <laughs> no. Shelly, what Finally. is wrong with you? You're Sorry. usually like the totally together. Yeah, Shelly's not together. It's kind of enjoyable. No, I have my recommendation. My top of mind, I'm struggling with, um, I guess, my, my top Shelly, of mind. did you have a rough evening last night by any chance? Or? No, I've had a, a rough week. I have this pinched nerve that resurged and I'm everything I do hurts. So I'm, Well, you can say the pinched nerve. Half, that half sounds like that's killers. probably at the, that sounds I, like that's at the of, top of your mind. It is. I'm just tired of talking about it and crying, me feeling okay. like a crybaby. So that's clearly on my mind, my back, my leg. It's everywhere. <laughs> so lyric is the top of your mind, and that actually changes everything at the top of your mind. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Literally. And the bottom. And Richard, and the bottom. since you're Everybody. a doctor, can you cure her pinched nerve during the course of this podcast? Yeah, if I would have done, I would have done it a couple of years back when I had one myself. So Shelley, um, sympathy in spade loads. Okay. <laughs> I will. And if you just keep talking and listening to your accent might cure it also. Oh my God. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. That's very Whoa. funny. 
Somebody's <laughs> crushing here. Somebody's <laughs> crushing. John was saying early doors that, that no one was going to understand a word I would say. And I am I already, already immensely gratified that you have said that. Exactly. <laughs> I think that for a lot of a lot of American women, they don't really care if they understand any of the words. Mm. It's the oh, music oh, they're listening yeah. to. Not true. So true. Yeah, and horribly not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just speaking the truth here. Oh, man. It's the music of your voice they're listening to, Richard. Peg, what's on the top of your mind? Well, I've, it's changed like four times in the last minute, but I wanted to <laughs> Shocking, say, Peg, that your mind changes rapidly, but go the ahead. First, yes. But the first thought was, oh, shoot, I forgot about top of mind segment. So I was in <laughs> Shelly's boat. <laughs> I had See, nothing. I was pretending I was reminding Richard before the podcast of the right. two segments, but I was really reminding you, Peg. Right. So. And I then was like, I don't think I want to be known as a vagina chick. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. And then I started thinking about Shelly's pinched nerve because I had one too, as she knows. So I'm just all over the place. What do you want to be known as, if not a vagina chick? Just a just a member just... of the podcast. Okay, a member of the podcast. That, that's the first time Peg has ever wanted to be known as I a know. member of the podcast. Oh, no. By the way, said member. A Since special guest. Previously, of the she was like, "Can I, can I not have my name involved in this?" <laughs> and then I love the way Jim just said to Richard that he could go ahead, but then Jim kept talking. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. That's see. This is why I I should not be on the podcast. Clearly, clearly, why my participation is is extra, as they say. And then uh, when I was listening to Richard say the ages of his daughters, I couldn't believe it because I, I've i only met them once. And it was for Sterling, my 35th Scotland. birthday. And uh, so that was 14 years ago. So it's, whew, it's hard to imagine that it was that long ago. So start planning Peggy's 50th birthday party now. You still have some time to make that plan. So. <laughs> I think I tweeted a photo from that occasion we um, did. the other week. Yeah. Oh, you go. looked yeah. at yeah. it. Oh, nice. I, no, I looked at it and I think I put it on Twitter um, for all the followers, all your 12 listeners, which I think you always say, Peg. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Peg is so you... exaggerating by twice as much. It's really more like six <laughs> people. But, John, what's on the top of your mind, buddy? Well, I got up at 4.45 this morning with my son in order to prepare for this podcast because I'm in Chicago and we're recording on early Sunday morning. I know, Richard, it's Sunday night, and I know you East Coast time zone people, It's an hour. you, you have an hour more reasonable than, than when I got up. And I'm just thinking to myself how anybody who thinks that the world is going to be back to the way it was like 40, 50 years ago doesn't understand that this is how the world is now. We are pretty international and global, and uh, and there's no going back. Okay. Well, John, just just to you know, I have no small children in my house, but I woke up at four thirty, so you know, um, you don't actually sleep though, Jim, from what I recall. Well, you know, because we were starting early this morning, I actually did set an alarm last night just in case, which I rarely do because I usually get up pretty early. But I woke up fully two hours before my alarm was set at 4.30 this morning. Set for 6.30. I woke up at 4.30. So that's not what's at the top of my mind. The libraries reopened recently, or at least reopened to the extent where you could get books out. You can't actually go in the library. You have to pick it up curbside or whatever they call it. And the first book I got out of the library was a book called The Only Woman in the Room. And I cannot remember where I 
heard about that or got or learned about it. It's not a new book. It's about five years old. It's basically, and I don't want to diminish it because it's really good and I enjoyed reading it immensely. It's a really good book uh, about a woman who's one of the first women at Yale in the 70s to be a physics graduate as a physics major, although Mm. she ended up not becoming a scientist for a living. And it's about her experience and why she ended up not being a scientist and why there's still so few women, relatively speaking, that are scientists and so forth. Really great book, fascinating, brave, funny, wise, brilliant. Hmm. But What's really at the top of my mind is I open this book and I start reading the first few pages and she's talking about her background and where she grew up and so forth. And I realize that I had met this woman when we were both in high school. We debated against each other in high school. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I'm glad you brought it around because I, it was sounding suspiciously like a recommendation at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> yes. I know, Peg. I know, Peg. I'm sorry. They're basically But anyway, the same. just for the record, she and her partner totally kicked our asses in the debate. They were much, much better than <laughs> uh, and I'm sure she, I'm sure she wow. does not remember. She would have no reason. She and her partner were actually a really good debate team. And I had actually even seen – before we debated against them, we had actually, I had actually seen her debate like in a final round oh, of God. a big tournament and stuff. So the, that's why I remember the uh, – her, but I'm sure she doesn't remember me. But anyway, that's irrelevant. You also, just, you also strike me as somebody who remembers every time they got their ass kicked. Yeah. Yep. Uh, no, not really. Not really. It doesn't happen that often. I pre- I would assume. No, no. It, it, no. In the high school debate, it happened quite. We were we were pretty good for a local, but when we got outside the local, we were not that good. So we were, I'm we impressed were that you can remember good. that. Exactly. Far back. I have well, trouble remembering I mean, what I had for it, dinner. It probably happens yeah. so that since I spent like 30 years coaching high school debate later on down the road, that that helps keep those memories a little bit alive. But anyway. We're getting way off the subject because we're not talking about Australia. Richard, I've never been to Australia. So tell me, why Neither should I go? Yeah. Oh, Shelly, you've um, never been there either. Okay. No, it's Shelley, on my bucket you've been list. so many places. I can't believe you No, I'm you've holding never been out there. to take my niece in a couple of years. Okay, great. There you go. So, Peg, have you been to Australia? I didn't, I didn't know you'd been to Australia. Have you? Yes, I went with John, actually. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so um, Australia is southwest of San Diego. Um, if your sat-nav says, um, <laughs> if, you, if your sat-nav says keep driving, don't. There's quite a large expanse of water between you and the country. And it's, it's a big place. You know, it's a big space. It's the same size as the US, I think, roughly, um, minus Alaska. But much fewer people, correct? That's right, yeah. So, so probably a population of <laughs> Texas or the Netherlands or somewhere like that, if you can equate that. And yeah, so it, it, it's, it's, there's a kind of big empty hole. I remember John came here a few years back, not long after we arrived. And I think that, that he'd, fl- he'd flown, I mean, John was permanently jet lagged, but um, he'd flown from <laughs> Sydney over to us and he said, Richard, there's nothing between you and Sydney. And that was actually quite amazing. I kind of, I've had no need to fly to Sydney by this point, but it's a true story that there's really very large open spaces between us. So I live in the West Coast, which is, which is Perth. It's a population of about two and a half million. And um, Sydney is over in the East, which is um, kind of like, 
I guess, LA to New York. And Melbourne is where we have our, our, our hotbed of COVID right now. Um, so um, in, in yeah. Melbourne, I see that, that well, you know, it, it's a big deal for us because we've done pretty well so far, but, you know, they had 250 cases or something today. Um, but I see Texas at 6,000. So I think yeah, we're doing pretty I was well. Say 250. Yeah. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No mask so, needed. Well, well, well interestingly, <laughs> interesting everyone's talking about that in the same way as everyone else elsewhere. So, I mean, it is a, it is a very strange time in the world. In WA, so, so we, we, we have a hard border. So the states effectively manage their own borders. So WA, which is probably half the size of the country, we've had a hard border since about the beginning of April, which means that you you I, I, you can travel out to other states which will accept you, but you cannot travel back unless you unless you have an exemption. Um, so that's meant we we haven't really been able to see Katie because you know we could get to New South Wales, which is where Sydney is, but we couldn't get back into to WA. And the other way that they've really very actively managed the whole kind of COVID thing is by stopping international travellers, which is where. Most of the outbreaks are coming now. It's Australian citizens returning and 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 effectively um, passing it on to their um, fellow Australian citizens. Yeah, I guess that was probably more than you asked for, but there we go. Well, it's really shut down in Melbourne, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't think if Americans don't get it, the the difference between how the Australian government is and can manage this and how the U.S. is doing it is like day and night. I mean, there's they are just shut. They're just like it's like I don't know. I'm not gonna. I don't think it's technically called martial law, but it's like martial law? Uh, I think that's fair. I mean, I think last weekend um, they closed down nine, well, you understand the public housing tower thing. So right. the public housing towers in Melbourne. So they, they, they effectively closed them down and said, look, this is like, you can't enter or leave and we will bring you food and they're going to be cops and, 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 and the army. In fact, the Australian Defence Force have been involved in this now. But, you know, I think I think the difference here, I, and, and I, I obviously kind of aware of what's going on in the US to an extent and aware of what's going on in the UK and Ireland to an extent. The Australians have got quite a, a kind of unique sense of, of civic duty and responsibility. Like, you know, voting is compulsory in this country. You know, if you don't vote in an election, you get a $20 fine, um, which is not a lot of money, but for people who don't have a lot of money, it can still be a lot of money. So uh, you know, that, that is that is a, a kind of token incentive of like, actually, please participate. We need you to participate. And then the other thing that they have is, is I guess, what they would call the pup test where, you know, like if you were sitting around with your mates as perhaps we are in this podcast now and you said, right, okay, does this sound okay? And if, if three out of the five of you agree, then it's probably okay. But if one out of the five of you think it's a good idea and it's your idea, it's probably not okay. And, and so <laughs> therefore it's relatively easy for them to go, right, actually, we're just going to shut this down. And this is what we're going to do. And we're going to do this together mm-hmm. because that's what we do as a community. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What are the cases like in Perth? Uh, we have zero. Like, so we're back wow. to normal. We, we're doing normal life, effectively. Um, but I mean, it's not a huge population. But yeah, we're essentially back to normal. Do you guys wear masks when you go outside? No, there's no COVID here at all. How long were you were you with masks, or were you, did you have a shutdown at all? Uh, yeah. Perth? Okay. So, um, so the story <laughs> I, I can probably tell you the story in a bit more detail. So I was in Europe earlier on this year so my my elderly parents are in scotland so i was in scotland in late january early february and i came back to australia just as i mean and i was teaching a medical school class actually i was I, you know we were, i was kind of showing them like you know ct results from 
um, China and, you know, going like, you know, this is what's happening and this is how this is evolving, da, da, da. And, and of course, the kind of, the, the sort of, the, the seeding event was <clears throat> people going from um, China to, to Italy and, and skiing. And then uh, when that happened, I remember that there was one of the, the, the kids in the class who just kind of come back from Italy and said, yeah, I'm just going to join the class. And everyone was talking about social distancing by this point. I'm like, okay, actually, I'm not going to be in that class because I see like, you know, 200 people a week. And if this person has COVID and gives it to me, then that's not going to happen. Anyway, my wife and daughter had traveled late uh, February up to Europe. So they were in Munich and it was, it's a lovely story. Actually. Um, my wife was saying, oh, I, I, I've never been to Munich. It's such a beautiful time. It's so much quieter than I expected. And, <laughs> and I thought mm, mm, there might be something going on here. And, <laughs> and then they traveled to London, which is where my brother lives. And they were staying with my brother. And, and within a couple of days, there was this kind of, you know, the Boris moment of, um, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then suddenly <laughs> actually, this is not going that well. And I got a phone call in the middle of the night on a Wednesday because, you know, it's afternoon time in the UK and she's, she, I'm, and my wife will meet 4 a.m. and said, look, just get me out of here. I'm like, okay. So they left. That was the middle of March. So we had a lockdown for about six weeks and the government here managed it very well. They just sort of said, look, you know, nobody who is not an Australian citizen or a permanent resident will be allowed into the country. And then beyond that, they said anyone who does come into the country will have to isolate for 14 days. And that, that was pretty much the rule from the day my wife and daughter arrived back. So in fact, they arrived the day before that kicked in, which was probably well, 15th of March. And the, and like the that. way that they did the 14-day uh, the quarantine was not like they do in Chicago, where when you're driving into Chicago, there's a big billboard that says, hey, if you're coming from a COVID hotspot, self-quarantine for 14 days. I think in Australia, they did it a little differently. So initially it was a kind of voluntary thing. So there were, there were quite, obviously still quite a lot of people moving at that time. And I, I, well, what I said to them as, as, a, as a clinician, um, I said, look, you know what? I don't want to be the super spreader. So, you know, you guys like stay home. Um, I don't want to be the kind of guy who's known in the Perth press as, as the person who brought all of this and shared it to the whole city. And so they stayed home for the COVID 14 Richard. days. That's it, exactly. Thank you. Um, and and then yeah, beyond that though, it, it got it got tighter and tighter. So to the point now where I think that and they're allowing five hundred and sixty people in, and these are returning Australian citizens, so people who have a right to be here. Um, they're restricting it to five hundred and sixty per week um, to Australia. So so all the stuff that's happening, all the kind of Melbourne outbreak, is all on the back of people who've been coming back from overseas. So we had a lid on it for probably about two, three months. So we've been back to normal in Perth for probably four weeks. Yeah, wow, it's amazing. that's nice. Yeah, it's kind of like crazy <laughs> given that we haven't even gotten through wave one in the US, but yeah, it's insane. Richard, I, you know, the thing we did, the thing that I was, when I was talking with uh, a couple of uh, family members about the fact that you were going to be on and I met and that they know little to nothing about Australia, what came up twice. And I, I, this has so been overwhelmed by COVID that I, I didn't think to bring it up. But then I was like, I, I, I'm, I'm curious about it. The fires, are they still burning? And is, was that affected? And was that literally, was that all of New South Wales or was that, or did that, was that all over the entire continent? Interesting. couple of things about that, actually. So, so I think that the fires were probably covering um, somewhere the size of Illinois and Iowa combined. So they were pretty big. <laughs> okay. Um, and a lot of them were burning in, in areas that were, that were pretty 
remote, but they, they affected a lot of kind of tourist areas towards the coast as time went on. Do you know, that was probably one of the reasons that um, the COVID thing went as well as it did because yeah. um, your man had just come off the back of, so Scott Morrison, who's the Australian Prime Minister, but you guys all knew that, right? Um, Scott Morrison. will <laughs> be a quiz um, later. Yeah, there we go. Um, so Scott Morrison had had essentially come back from his holiday in Hawaii where he'd been panned in the Australian press for being on holiday. Um, much like Trump would get panned for you know going to play golf in Florida while everyone's dying from Corona, he'd got back and they said like you know what this place has been burning for months. And I actually remember I, I we tra- I travelled to Sydney to see KT in late November, and that was when there was the kind of smoky hue in the air then. So that gives you mm-hmm. an idea of how long it went on for. Wow. It was like four or yeah. five months. Yeah, it's crazy. In fact, to see to see Deacon Blue, remember our friend Doogie. Um, but yes. we'd gone over there and British pop band. There we go. And and so we arrived, and it was kind of smoky and hazy, and the smell was in the air, and it was wasn't far from the city. In fact, Sydney were worried for a while that it actually might begin to affect some of their outer suburbs. But yeah, so your man Scott Morrison came back and and realised actually this has not gone that well, and I think that was probably one of the reasons that the, the COVID response was as aggressive as it was because he basically got his 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 butt kicked in the press over here about the whole kind of bushfire thing. And this is just climate change, right? I mean, that's why you in Western Australia basically are all are making all your money because of all the lithium they're taking out of the ground to put in Tesla cars, and that is to and that's going to save the environment, which is going to stop the fires in Australia. Wow, I hadn't, I didn't know that. My goodness, so you're, you're an environmentalist and you didn't know mine. it. Uh, yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, I look. I'm I, sure, I think John. That, that... It's as simple as you just described it. <laughs> I'm sure that that 30-second thing completely and adequately summarized the entire situation without any, leaving out any nuance or complication. More than I knew. Well, the problem is it's probably more than anybody knows because it's not that simple, but that's another story. Go ahead. Yeah, it's true. We specialize in glib half truths here, Richard. No, that's Go okay. I, I like that. I, I can I can manage that man in a big way. Um, they, they were cutting <laughs> iron ore out of the ground for a long time and selling that to China. That went well, and then China has kind of fallen <laughs> with everyone. I think apparently, um, yeah. apart from me personally, as far as I'm aware. Um, and uh, Not yeah, yet. so yeah, so lithium and, and and cars. But then, um, so John, you were you were in, you you told me something about in China that there were more people driving Teslas there than, than you've seen in Chicago well, since you got back. Yeah, I was in Shanghai and kind of the, in the former French concession, which was which was crazy. I, I do think it's interesting, Richard. My first when when I first talked to you when I moved to Australia, you first thing you said to me was you said I can't believe you went to you. I can't believe you're in China. He goes, when I think of China, I just think, oh, that's that place where they kill everyone. And uh, I, and I I did and I it is clear to me after having lived in China that China's influence on Australia is enormous these days. I imagine not only because there's a lot of uh, Chinese people who are desperately with money, who are trying to get their money out of China, and they're probably investing in real estate in Australia, the way they're also investing in real estate in New York and London and everywhere else, uh, to kind of put it in what I think are more secure currencies or more secure markets. But but I, I it's funny to me that, when, that I'm... I, I would have assumed that the COVID response or that just the relationship that Australia has with China, which has definitely had to have been increasing over the last decade or so, has got, I, I, I would have assumed that, you know, Australia would have been on the front line of kind of people coming back and forth from, not, if not Wuhan, 
somewhere all over China and kind of, you know, getting infected. That's why it's so strange to me that like it's it's been so the, that the response there has been so successful. Well, listen, I only really know why I, I heard in the pub or read in the paper. I'm very rarely in the pub these days, I might add. But, um, you know, I think that um, I think the big thing was that that there was there was a suspicion. I said, it's quite interesting that you, that, and it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this, guys. But, um, you know, Trump pulling out of the WHO, uh, don't worry, I think Donald's an arsehole as well. But, um, you know, I think that um, Trump pulling out the WHO, I think there was a big thing about how they Australia was kind of ahead of the game like they, they kind of thought actually we don't really believe this we're, we're hearing stories we've got people coming back and, and and this doesn't ring true and and so they stopped flights coming in from China quite early um and, and it has been damaging there's no doubt about it but there's been a lot of rhetoric um from from China as we all know for everyone um about you know how we're all very bad people for not letting them do what they want to do and and it is a it's a really interesting time in the world from that perspective but i think that the australians pretty much you know that kind of there's a low social distance here that's the big thing you know like whether you know i, I you know, i'm a senior doctor in a in a in a you know, very large practice and, and a kind of organization they you you leave your ego at the door in this in this country like yeah. people will tell you pretty much straight away what they think of you and and i think that that's also how they deal with their international relations i think they kind of looked at china and said you know what guys we don't really think you're talking shit and um please yeah. you know yeah. we're not gonna let your people in and that yeah. was how that yeah. went and of course china said oh that's really bad and threw all their dolls out the pram but australia said well <laughs> tough when did you move there i forget 10 years and ago um and why why um yeah. i think probably because in the uk i think <laughs> a couple of reasons the, the global financial crisis which meant that um economically for my family it was going to be terrible and uh, and also that i for a long time hankered being in australia even from finishing training um i wanted to to kind of go and have a look somewhere else in the world. How hard was that to, did you have to recertify as a, as a physician there and take the Australian equivalent of medical no. boards and things like that? Yeah, interesting question. I, I think uh, the US is unique in that respect in that if, if I wanted to move to the US, then I would have had to have started pretty much everything again and gone through the whole sort of process. But yeah, I mean, there's, there, there's a long and bureaucratic process to make sure that you're a safe pair of hands. But um there was an equivalence primarily because some of the training programs from the UK were the, the, the kind of the, the mothership of some of the, the training programs in, in Australia, New Zealand and, and Canada that kind of commonwealth history if you like um so so it was it was relatively easy from that perspective but the whole process still took about six months and and you know they, they don't just take you you have to you know have to be at a certain you know level for them to uh, you know admit to you Mm-hmm. Okay. And how about moving a, a 12 year old daughter? Yeah, that at went that really stage? well. So, th yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure, that went well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I still have the scars. Um, no, I, that, <laughs> no I'm, I'm, but you've met my girls. I mean, I think that, you know, I'm immensely proud of what they have managed. I think my younger daughter identifies very much as being an Australian, and, and my older daughter increasingly. So I think that she, has seen that opportunity it's a scary thing to say but you know and i'll probably share this link with some of my family back in scotland when we're done but you know i i i just think they've probably had 
better opportunity here. And and in retrospect, I think that they see that. I think Kate was back in in that's my older daughter. She was back in Scotland a couple of years back, and she said, you know, I, I worry what what my options would have been. Um, whereas in Sydney, you know, she she still has opportunity. Whatever COVID brings us, you know, who knows. Nice. So, do you yeah, self-identify think- as uh, Australian? No, interesting question. I, look, I, I, I mean, look, I'm, I, I grew up in Glasgow in Scotland. I'm, I'm from right. I'm from work in Glasgow, and that's still what I most identify with. But I was immensely proud of the Australian response to the COVID thing. I think it was fantastic, and 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 internationally, uh, looking around, just just really impressed by both the 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 the, the, the caliber. And the knowledge of the response, um, which I don't think has been uh, matched anywhere other than New Zealand. Well, so since you talked about your kids, talk about yourself. I mean, compare where, you know, um, you've lived in Spain, you've lived in the UK, and you've lived in Australia. What's best? God, Spain. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Bring it on. Um, Mainly because of its proximity to everywhere. I think that professionally, Australia, by a mile. But, um, you know, living in Spain, my God, the people have this fantastic attitude to life where, you know what, it's okay and it will be fine. Tomorrow is tomorrow. There's no pressure ever in Spain to do anything at any point. And and I remember clearly there, um, you know, like, you know, kind of working in the afternoon in the summer and and at two o'clock, everyone would be like, right, okay, stop now. And I'd say, what? <laughs> and he said, well, it's the summer. And I said, yeah, but I would normally work until five or six. And he said, no, 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 it's the summer. It's two o'clock. We don't do anything after two o'clock. <laughs> True story. And, and and they all went to the beach. That was it. That might change my retirement location then. Is it Mallorca or where are you going, Peg? Are you going to the south? Uh, yeah, probably like um, Nerha. Where's that? Kind of like the Andalusia. Costa del Sol. Yeah, not, yeah, okay. Not near Bar, not up the coast a little bit. You're going to be on the south side, south part yeah, of the country. Right. Yeah, nice spot. Okay. We'll see. It's so, a long Shelley, way you have, away. You have to tell me. I, I'm really interested from Shelly, and sorry for guest person, but I'm really interested, Shelly, because I haven't met you. Um, but but um, I always used to read on the map um, Indiana as Indian A until I got back <laughs> to the US. So, so. So I, I, I'm interested in the connection. So, so, so Indiana is still going okay or yeah or no? In terms of COVID? Yes. Yes, it's, um, it's good. I mean, this weekend, in fact, I went to, out to dinner um, to a restaurant. We ate outside. Last weekend when Peggy and Janine were in town, we ate outside in a restaurant. But this past week, the governor or the mayor of the county that I'm in recently mandated on Thursday that when you're out in public or you're walking into a restaurant and you're not eating, you have to wear masks. And uh, other parts of Indiana, there's different restrictions. So there's certain counties in Indiana that are a hot mess, like the one that my parents live in where the cases are are going up. And then I just heard last um, Saturday night when I was out with friends that cases in an area of the city actually where we were, Peggy, uh, last week eating, have gone up pretty significantly because people just jumped right back into normal normal behavior and not taking the precautions. Oh boy. Did you get tested? I haven't been tested. I've been until the last, I'd have to say two and a half weeks, three weeks, I've been virtually in my house. Um, 
I did start going to the gym a few weeks ago, but they have everything isolated and it's, I just work with a personal trainer and then go and you go in a special door and you go out and you wash and everything. But uh, other than that, I've been home. I wear masks in and out of grocery stores. My hands are so dry from all of the sanitizing going on. But um, I, I, f- I feel like we're in this limbo period to answer your question, Richard, where people, it, it was going down. Now it's starting to go up, but we, there hasn't been any necessarily decree of what we can and can't do other than the recent, if you're going to restaurants, this is what you do. I don't wipe down my groceries anymore. I did in the beginning, which was a huge pain in the ass. So yeah, I mean, and and we have people here probably like elsewhere. They're like, I don't need to wear a mask. I feel fine. I feel healthy. And and then there are people that are, you know, like on my parents' end who are, you know, in their 70s, they're staying home, they're having people deliver groceries to them. My parents have gone out a little bit more recently. But, you know, those people that say, I don't need to wear masks because I'm healthy, I, you know, I'm like, okay, you're a J-hole. You need to wear a mask because you don't know what you're going to give somebody else who might be susceptible. It's a long answer, Richard. No, no, thank you. It's really interesting to hear that perspective because I think honestly, I just feel that we're almost kind of immune to it in in, in Western Australia, just because, like you say, okay, so um, for example, we would have a lot of inbound travel from Bali and Indonesia, which is you know, the, oh, it's actually Bali. closer. It's easier to fly to Bali than it is to get to Sydney. It's like three That's hours crazy. from here. And you know, we would we would have the kind of list of questions as people come into the building, and you know, it'd be like, okay, have you been overseas? Have you got a temperature? Have you got a cough? And they would go, no, 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 no. Of course, no one read the questions. And then they would get into the consulting <laughs> room, and one of the doctors completely dropped their bundle because um, a patient had got into the room and and had a cough and had just arrived back from Bali. So. You know, this was this was a really big drama. On the other hand, my father um, in in Glasgow in Scotland, who's eighty, he'll be eighty nine next in two weeks' time, and um, he got a letter from the government saying, "Don't leave your house for twelve days, twelve weeks." And uh, he was absolutely cock a hoop. He was delighted that he didn't have to leave the house for twelve weeks. So, but you know, the kind of whole sort of mask protecting, you know, that, that there are those dichotomies. I, I really, I really feel for you guys in the US because I think that the leadership has been a bit poor. You think? A master of understatement, Richard, yes. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the, I have a question about British pop music because the, as we all know, there was the British invasion and there was the real British invasion. When are we going to talk about Scottish football? That's what I thought. Oh, we, we were can talk about that too. But I want to talk about Crowded nah, House, Midnight kidding. Oil, and Men at Work. Oh, Men at Work. Uh, so Crowded Houses are actually New Zealand. Um, so Neil okay. Finn is... is so yeah, two yeah, out yeah, of three, yeah. not bad, John. I do you're from Melbourne. So I could get really, really pedantic now. So the wood face thing... Did, did Please was get pedantic, because rook- that's my job usually, and you get to do it. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. So it was recorded in Melbourne, and that is the, the, that is the classic. That yeah. is the one. That was their breaking... Yeah album yeah. um but neil neil finn is from um somewhere in the somewhere in like near hamilton in new zealand i think like cambridge yeah, but new zealand. A, is there a band go. from where the people come from or is a band yes. where it was formed where the band was formed mm. uh, yeah come on i have a fair arg- i have a fair i have a fair position here that's, that's <laughs> not, actually that john yeah, it's a good argument john, it's a good not argu- an unreasonable point that's not an unreasonable in search point. For an argument. You, so therefore um, so, so 
And the bassist from Crowded House is from Melbourne, um, who now lives in Dublin, I think. Um, and and then Tim Finn, who is the other brother, he um, the, so yeah, so they're Kiwis. But yeah, no, that that, that was their groundbreaking album. Men at Work, they were definitely shown. In fact, very sad story. Do you know that flute thing that goes on? I come from a land down under, which yeah. I'm not going to sing mm-hmm. for you. The the the, um, the guy who played the flute committed suicide because apparently he nicked. The, um, that that whole motif which he played through that track, and and it was subsequently <gasps> found to have been plagiarized. No, and, uh, that happens oh, all yes. the time in popular there music. But that's really not a reason yeah. to kill to yourself. It's a reason to get a better lawyer. No, seriously. Here's my card. You know, George Harrison. Every so many people. Led Zeppelin ripped off so much stuff from people. I mean, it's you know that happens all the time. Colin Hay, is that is how it's pronounced? Colin Hay, the lead singer from Men at Work, he's still out and about. He's like touring all the time, or at least he was until touring yeah, stopped. Yeah, you know, and of, here's the here's the other wild thing here is that I actually bought tickets for a gig. There's going to be a live gig here shortly, not for Colin mm-hmm. Hay, but you know some other related thing. A recommendation coming later. But yes, these guys do still tour. So yes, yeah. But it's not. It's just him. It's not like the rest of the group, right? No, I that's right. Yeah, I think I think I think they're, they're all kind of um, like ourselves, Jim. Although I can only speak for myself, perhaps, and John, and maybe Peg. But you can speak for me, Richard. You bit. sound better than I do, anyway. So oh, bless you. <laughs> uh, no, no. I think I think yeah, they were all getting on a little bit, and I think that Colin Hayes probably getting on a little bit more than us because I think <laughs> that he's probably you know a decade or more ahead. So yeah. <laughs> it's true the uh i think that the i think not to go back to the dark days of covid but the i, th- I do think COVID you will like you will aging anyway. aging has been musicians who, who rely upon live gigs for for making money than probably anywhere else that's by the way this is also a teaser for my recommendation well there's a good argument which is what become an aging has been band yeah band is in town have you heard of this band is in town one word and no. people are live streaming on it. So, for example, my girl, who I love, uh, Brandy Carlisle, and she's love her. hosting things on this band is in town, and she's playing an entire album. But you have to pay ten dollars to watch it, and she's using that to pay her band because they're not yeah, touring. It. So it's it's a like a, it's like they're doing with uh, some Broadway shows, right? They're doing a live stream performance essentially at the show. What are they doing for Broadway? I guess I haven't heard. I didn't know that. Oh, shut down. But some shows they have live streamed and you pay and you watch the live stream, which, you know, is not the same experience, but it's something. I haven't done it, but, you know. I just saw Hamilton and it was not the same experience. Well, I. You watched the Hamilton Disney? Yeah. I was scheduled to finally see Hamilton. I bought a ticket because the touring company was in D.C. and I thought this was perfect. This was months ago I bought this ticket. I was going to see Hamilton for the first time on stage on the 4th of July. Oh, boy. And that didn't happen, oh, obviously. But you had the tickets? Summer. Oh, yeah. I had the ticket. Yeah, yeah. 4th of July. So, that would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been right? perfect. Right? 
basic Perth question. How hot does it get? And don't do it in Celsius, please. (laughs) (laughs) Do the math for her. Believe it or not, I can do the conversion really quickly. So give it in Celsius and see how long it takes me to convert it, I love it it, that you said that, Peg. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. Um, And and, uh, honestly, I actually couldn't do it in Fahrenheit, to be honest. It's it's a lot. Um, 42? 42 Celsius? Yeah, yeah. 42 Celsius, right? So you double that and add something, right? No, no, you don't double it. It's 1.8 plus 32. So it's 1.8 times 42, which is uh, 75.8. So it's about 107.8. And do you have some good AC in your house? Unpleasant. Oh, yeah. You have to have air conditioning everywhere. Yeah. And it always Um, works. Oh, of course. Always works. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like always. I love that. Because there's those really good battery backups from all the lithium they're taking yeah, out of the ground. No. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and then do you have um, solar energy popular there with all that sun you guys get? Yes. In fact, that that's actually been very widely sort of taken up. So it's so widely taken up that they had to um, stop the subsidies because they couldn't afford to do the coal-fired backup Ooh. stuff for when the sun didn't shine. Um, but yeah, no, no big take up. Yeah. Yeah. Solar energy is the big, is the flip side of the incredibly increased skin cancer rates in Western Australia because of the ozone hole that I believe is hovering or is now closing. What's the story with that? You are just a font of good, like positive thoughts today, John Hines. He is I'm all about love. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you think about it, like most of the Australian population weren't what well, well did not grow up here. Like okay, so that there are there are kind of you know there are kind of a, a, a very large indigenous population who were completely suited to these conditions, and then the Brits came and sent all their kind of um, prisoners. Um, so so that that was that was the origin of the state. So yeah, these kind of fair skinned Northern Europeans that go red on contact with the sun um, <laughs> um, have quite good you know quite a good background against yeah so yes but then they also have um a, a very good background and and jim to take up the positive point of um of recruiting um star physicians from overseas to come and cut out their skin cancer <laughs> so, yes. uh, so i have a question um if i win when Shelly i says take... that like it's the first time she's ever had a question but go ahead well i wanted to jump in before somebody else did yeah when, meaning me but uh, go ahead yeah. No, when I take my niece there in a couple of years, which of given the size of Australia, where do you recommend that we spend the majority of our time? Mm-hmm. She's, an 18, so if, if, she's an 18 year yeah. old that'll want to do everything possible. Me too. Yeah, cool. Not 18. So, so, so if you like cities, then I would go to Melbourne because Melbourne is cool. If you like to go and see something that's a bit interesting, like kind of bush type thing, I would go to the middle, which is the red center towards Alice Springs. There there are lots of strange people in Alice Springs, so you can get a flight in and out of there in quite a short space of time. But <laughs> um, that that actually is, you know, very close to Uluru, which is the the um, the um, indigenous name for um, Ayers Rock. And it is is a place of really quite beautiful serenity and and you're no longer allowed to climb up there it's now seen as being a kind of a, a monument and, and and sacred land they have the, the indigenous population beautiful um language about um you know we're observers in this time we, we're here to observe and note our findings and then we move to somewhere else so so th- 
that that's part of that whole lyric of 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 that part of the world so um and then everyone wants to go to circular quay in sydney because you want to get the harbour bridge and the opera house and you know get the ferry to manly and that is all manageable in a 14 day trip I love the way Americans have their holidays. My God, this brings me back. Um, I've, got, I've got eight minutes of annual leave this year. Can I get to Australia? Um, you no, know, um, in, in yeah, country, yeah, yeah. 18, 14 yeah. days. Not- How much holiday yeah, yeah, no, do you no, have? No, no, How much no, holiday you, you can, time do you have, you can, Richard? You can do that. But it, remi- no, it reminds me of a great story because I think that um, um, John and um, I can't remember if Peggy was involved in this trip or not. It might be someone else. But anyway, but, but you, you came to the Edinburgh Festival festival many years but maybe 20 years ago and um and 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 you know john had arrived and a couple of other people had arrived and they're kind of going to shows and and there were other people who are going oh we're stranded at the airport in boston and I'm going, okay so you know how long are you coming for three days jesus oh, you know no. that's not a holiday anyway so 14 days yes you'll be able to manage sydney melbourne sydney to melbourne is about one hour on the plane and uh melbourne to um Ayers rocks about an hour on the plane you can do that as a triangle there we go and you didn't even have to come okay. to perth where the weather's perfect and we're all beautiful <laughs> <laughs> well that's far okay. so by, by the way i mean that's the, the cross the country is what four and a half hours on a flight pretty much yeah four hours yeah, yeah. four hours i mean it's far Hope you're taking you. notes, Shelley. I did. I took copious notes. <laughs> Australia, by the way, just for the uh, is way, way down the list of countries. If you look at the New York Times table of countries on COVID deaths, Australia is way, way, way near the bottom. Way, well below any. In terms of deaths per hundred thousand population, the United States is not the. Does, although the United States has the most number of deaths in raw numbers, it is not the highest in terms of deaths per 100,000 people in the population. But Australia is way, 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 way low. Do you have an international airport in Perth or do you have to fly to Melbourne or uh, <laughs> Sydney to get to Scotland? Mom, we are connected to the world. We have a direct flight to London. Um, yeah, so, there, yeah, that was the, uh, that yeah, was the yeah. big thing. It was the longest flight in the world for a while. It was from oh. Perth to uh, to London on the new seven eighty seven Dreamliner by Boeing. Right? Isn't that isn't that wasn't that one yeah, of the I, I first did it, flights? I did it. I did it once, John. Like you, you, you're like myself, are Catholic by upbringing, and uh, it is it is the equivalent of purgatory. Seventeen hours <laughs> and forty minutes in a plane. Jesus. Uh, well, oh, in fact, man. you know. Not Jesus. It was hard. In fact, even even the cabin crew, and it was a lovely guy, and and I was I was in a relatively fancy seat, um, and uh, you know the guy like he looked dead on his feet, and I'm going, like, how do you do this? I no, said, they, they take two crews. Don't they take two crews? Yeah, they do, but it's it's seventeen you're hours, still and isolated, minutes, and they're still and they're still on they're still on original time zone of. Uh, of yeah. Perth, which is you know eight hours ahead of London, and you arrive at London at six in the morning, um, and it's great because it's like the first flight that's allowed into Heathrow, so you get off and you're through Heathrow quite quickly. Which, if anyone anyone who's ever been to London's Heathrow brackets shithole airport will know that it's actually usually <laughs> quite difficult to get through at any point in the day, and 
you have like the, the, the poor guys are just completely dead on their feet. And, and they had to reroute it because I think there was something about ground to air missiles in, in Iran or something <laughs> that meant that they had to change the route. So it, right. it's quite complicated. Oh, right. That whole, that whole earth, what's it called? What the, the curvature of the earth flight, th- flight path thing that goes over yeah, Iraq. It's not good. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if that was the trip that, that I went to the fringe and my brother and his wife got, they missed their Ryanair flight out of Dublin. And yeah, That was so likely they, it. So they stayed in Ireland. Yeah, I was I was on that trip with you, yeah. the Fringe Festival. Yeah, yeah that's why, Shelly, I'm surprised you haven't met Richard, but whatever. I wasn't going to say anything because I think that you probably did meet on that trip, I think. But uh, the for those for, for listeners who don't, who don't know about the Edinburgh Festival, it is it, it was a festival formed after World War II to celebrate international unity in a time of peace. And it's it was one of my favorite cultural events for very long time. And, um, and Richard never cared for it because it was in Edinburgh and that's not Glasgow. But, um, I, uh, um, I, I, I went, I went for a lot of years and it's, it's, it's particularly, uh, memorable to me today because of the, you know, kind of uber nationalism we're seeing in the shutdown of international travel. Um, it makes, it makes me heart, you know, yearn even more for that, for that awesome festival. We'll that was a great John, trip. That was so back. fun. Yeah. It's a fantastic Richard, place. is there a lot of conflict between Glasgow and Edinburgh? Uh, less so now. I think that, um, I think we've got Boris now as a common enemy. So, um, so, so in other words, it's not, it, there's some value to Boris being there because it, it yeah, very much reduces so. the yeah. enmity between. What's the basis of the like the bet noir? Um, well, Edinburgh was always the kind of the, the legal and financial centre, so it was always a bit more affluent. And Glasgow is ah. always seen as a bit of a working town, so you were kind of a kind of Pittsburgh to New York. Um, <laughs> and uh, so do you like that? But, New, but, but and, Pittsburgh would have been larger. Probably, but yeah, but but Glasgow Glaswegians are far more sophisticated. We always wear trendier clothes. We're always better at music, and uh, and you know <laughs> usually better football teams as well. So so that always kind of got us over the hump with Edinburgh, um, especially when when we had to go through and and uh, and attend their tawdry festival and fringe, um, <laughs> which has become absolutely absolutely packed in recent years because. Um, you know, with with the whole advent of um, everyone being able to get everywhere with Ryanair for about ten euros, um, it, it became very very busy indeed. And I was there last year actually, as a friend who was um, who was performing and um, and and because I'm at that stage in life where people do things that I didn't expect them to do and he was performing and and got there with some other friends and thought, God, there's so many people, so many people. It, it literally. Edinburgh is is wall to wall packed, and it's a beautiful city, but you can't look mm-hmm. up because you have to watch where you're going to step on the pavement. So yeah, and they already Rich. had been holding theater productions in elevators and hotel rooms and uh, lounges uh, and and spaces that were recaptured with curtains underneath bridges. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's a it's literally like an orgy of culture. It's incredibly fun. Richard, where where is the uh... Where's the where are the proclaimers from? Are they from Glasgow or Edinburgh? So they are from North of Edinburgh. They're from they're from a place called Fife, um, which um, is a kind of sticky outy bit just north of Edinburgh. And again, Glaswegians always have a, a kind of view on it. So we would always say that the tourist uh, the tourist slogan for Fife should be uh, "Welcome to Fife." 
why um but <laughs> i think the proclaimers were they're, they're from um well st andrews actually is very famously um the north coast of fife which is just across from dundee where i met George, where i met john and I, I should tell you the story john because the reason that um john and i became friends was because um when when we met in dundee back in 1987 um, he had the best record collection of anyone I knew. And not only that, he had them on Maxell Chrome C60 cassettes. No. And yeah, which meant I could take them and borrow them. But anyway, so the Proclaimers come from Fife and you could see Fife from Dundee. Um, and they've done quite well and they still tour, I think, actually. I, I think they still come to America and do big tours there. Love yeah. that song. Love that song of theirs. <laughs> Well, before 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 we we uh, start spiraling into uh, nostalgia about Scotland, let's uh, let's move on to recommendations. Okay, Richard, since you're the guest, you should go first. I have a very short attention span, so I'm not going to sort of talk about books or anything like that. So I'm going to recommend <laughs> something to listen to. Actually, well, I'd love to be allowed to, but I'll give you one. Um, so you can um, give two. You can give two. You can give two. Are you going to play a Peggy, song for us? Peggy forgets. No, 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 no. Oh, no I thought you were going to play a song no, for us. Thanks. No <sighs> danger. No, no. Um, um, San Cisco, who are a Fremantle band, um, so just down the road from us, and they've just released a new EP called Flaws. What's, what's the name of the band, Richard? Sorry. San Cisco without the France. So San Francisco without the France. So, San so is it Cisco. one word or two words or what? Just it's one word? It's two words. It's two, two words. words. So available on all kind of streaming services you have. Beautiful song called Flaws. Um, it's part of an EP, um, young band from Fremantle, um, friends of my daughter somewhere. And the other the other recommendation, um, having two daughters and a wife and being the ethnic minority white male in my house, um, Julia Gillard, who's the, who's the previous um, Australian uh, prime minister, has an excellent podcast um, called Podcast of One's Own. And so therefore, if we're podcasting, I think that that's another one to listen to. There we go. Um, celebrating women and strong women and leadership in women. There we go. I am not sure, but I think there was somebody else who recommended that once before. But it's that doesn't mean you can't do it. You're allowed <laughs> to do that because you're a Thank guest. You. <laughs> so Peggy tries to do the same recommendation every week. That's why I get Peggy, what's your recommendation since you since you announced oh. so early on that you were totally prepared to make a recommendation? I have been enjoying a show on Netflix called Lennox Hill. Okay. Tell us about it. It's a medical show and it's like supposed to be real, you know, like a documentary or something, but obviously people act a little differently when a camera is following them. Uh, but I like it. It's about some hospital that whose name is escaping me in New York City that was like a total dive and they brought in some neurosurgeon who So it's so it's actually it set in the Lenox Hill area yes. of New York City. Yes, exactly. It's just I, been I, interesting. I've, I've seen that peg. It's excellent actually. I've seen that I think. Yeah. I oh good. See? Couple, yeah, Validation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. There we go. Validation with a <laughs> Scottish accent. Shelley. <laughs> I have two recommendations. 
Um, oh as I mentioned oh, a couple wow. podcasts ago, Shelly comes <laughs> strong. She may be, she may not feel well, ladies and gentlemen, but she still got recommendations. I'm slow in the beginning, but I got my mojo now. I, um, <laughs> as I mentioned a few podcasts ago, because of, during COVID, I decided to get a library card. Um, and I'm listening to books now in addition to reading. And one of my favorite ones lately is a Malcolm Gladwell talking to strangers. And I've, you know, he wrote Outliers and The Tipping Point. I liked Outliers. I had a bit of trouble with The Tipping Point, but this book is in, in so fantastic. That it's a piece of shit. Is that Jim was the hates trouble Malcolm Gladwell? Shelley, oh, Jim, like, really? we actually have had a conversation. One of the first episodes of the old podcast, we talked <laughs> about it. To be clear, I think that he is completely <laughs> overrated, but I don't hate him. I hope he's well. I hope he's, you know, he's enjoying the fruits of his success. But I don't think he's got much to offer. I didn't get this book because of him. I got it because of the topic. And what is um, the topic? given some of the – well, so it's about, you know, what what we should know about people that we don't know. So when you approach somebody and you make assumptions or, you know, it, it talked about Neville Chamberlain and why – how he trusted Adolf Hitler and how it caused all these problems leading up to That's the war. Complete- an utter misreading of history right there, but whatever. Okay, well, it's, it's an oversimplification. <laughs> no, no, it's not an oversimplification. It's wrong. He makes statements that are wrong, that are factually okay. incorrect, <laughs> and then builds books around them. Shelly, okay. Jim gets really worked up about Malcolm Gladwell. <laughs> you hit okay. a nerve. We'll move on to, to my second, my mean, second recommendation. Neville Chamberlain <laughs> did not trust Hitler. <laughs> Neville Chamberlain, rightly or wrongly, felt he had no choice. It's not that Neville Chamberlain thought Hitler was a good guy or I trust him or anything like that. He just didn't think he had a better choice, a better option. I'm sorry, okay. Shelly. I'm glad you came with a second one. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so... If, I, I was going to try and do the voice of reasonable support there for a moment because in addition to listening to the the um, the vagina monologue on the way down to um, Albany, in Albany in Western Australia, we were listening to Malcolm Gladwell as an audiobook and we were thinking, oh, we didn't know that. So there we go. So yeah, I, I, again, I, I... Some of the I, things that I, you I, don't know are things that are not true, Richard. So that's... Gonna, I'm, gonna fight, I'm gonna fight with you, Jim. Well, you guys have a present <laughs> called Trump, right? So like, you know... <laughs> yes. uh, so the reason... So I'm not gonna... After I say this statement, nobody can say anything afterwards so I can move on to my second one. Um, so I liked it because it made me stop and think about how I approach somebody or the questions I ask or, you know, the tools and strategies that we used to make sense of people. So that's whether his examples are right or wrong, to your point, Jim, um, it, it made me think about some things of, of how you approach people. And he uses it, he does it like a podcast. So there's some interviews with people, there's some reenactment. So it's not just him reading pages from his book. So it's, it's more along those lines. My second recommendation on the, on the same similar vein is Something the else hate I you. hate, Shelly. You're really going no, after me this week. Go I ahead, bet yes. you don't know this author because I think she's a first <laughs> time. <laughs> first time. It's called The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. And it's about race, uh, poor and white, the effects on uh, the different communities. Uh, the, it's a book. Yeah, it's a book. It's a novel. Um, and right, so they made it, it into a movie a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. Well, I'm I'm, I'm only at the book stage, but it's Sorry. really good. It's a it's a really nice um, 
uh, gives you a different perspective from over coming from a white privileged class that I am in to understanding a different part of life that in America we haven't really treated probably the best way we could. That's it. Sorry. Those were longer than I thought they would be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my recommendation it, it, it relates to a little bit to what we were talking about, i.e. music earlier, but uh, it's also rooted in the fact that I kind of have grown to detest a lot of uh, software as a service and just online services. Like now that during the pandemic, every, all the food delivery places I'm discovering are taking like 30% of the profits from my favorite local restaurants. And I'm just outraged for what they're offering and what they're giving. But I have grown to really like, and I've discovered that I'm just listening to music on an app called, a uh, social media app called Bandcamp. I don't know if any of you heard of that. No, Only from I have not. That one Movie word American or two, Pie. John. One word, Bandcamp. And it's, it's a, um, it's, what I like about it is it's, uh, it's, it's a kind of peer to peer platform for, uh, bands or artists to put music up and you can select genres and then it has a feed. So it's social media with music. If you're going to do social media, why not do it around music? And the nice thing is um, when you find something you like, you can just buy it and it buys directly from the artist. And it's really, I've discovered I'm, I'm, if I, I, I hate these like monthly fees of 20 bucks for 10 bucks for Apple music or Spotify and, and just all these other uh, monthly ridiculous this everything is a software as a service now and i just like the idea that i can buy a song or buy an album uh and i'm kind of going back to that even if it's digital and Bandcamp lets me do it and it's kind of a it's it's introduced me to a couple new artists that i like and i've discovered i'm mainly listening to electronic music these days <laughs> and that's what i like but i recommend Bandcamp. it's a good app and it's a website okay so i actually have two recommendations this week and i chose them uh, I don't know how he f is going to feel about him, but I chose him to honor our guest, Richard. The first is a book that came out almost 35 years ago about the uh, colonization of Australia by uh, the UK by sending their convicts there. It's called The Fatal Shore by Robert Hughes. And I read it many, many years ago. I, I thought it was a terrific book. Uh, and a really interesting story about how uh, Australia was used as a penal colony when it was first founded. The other thing I want to recommend is, and I may have talked about this before, but I've never recommended it, is the great author Kate Atkinson has written a series of detective novels featuring a Scottish private detective called Jackson Bodie. There are five of them. And if you get a chance, they're really well-written and tremendously entertaining. Start with the first one called Case Histories, because that underlies all the rest. And also, if you want, they're, uh, they've done a TV version of it starring um, Jason Isaac as Jackson Bodie, which is also quite good. But read the Jackson Bodie books. Where's the TV? Where's the Where's the video available? I I don't know where it's available. Oh, okay. I think it was a BBC or or uh, or it's probably on Acorn TV or uh, I saw it when it was on PBS, but I don't know if it's still uh, if it's still playing on PBS anywhere when it when it came out a few years ago. It was based on the first three books. It was called Case Histories, but um, but I recommend the books. Kate Atkinson's a wonderful writer. These are, uh, you know, she's, you know, doing a little genre stuff, having a little fun, but still a great writer. And uh, he's a terrific character. I, 
I enjoyed. I've read all five of those books, and I enjoyed them immensely. John Heights, time to go. Yeah, well, thanks, everybody, for listening. If you are a uh, – and thank you, Richard Tobin, for being our guest and staying awake. Uh, I guess it's not that late for you. I guess I'm the one who got up early, but thank you anyway. No, um, and joy being in touch. Thank you. It's incredibly fun. We'll do it again, and we'll pick a, we'll pick something more joyful than COVID hell. If you are a regular listener, and if you've listened this far in the podcast, God bless you. God bless your heart. <laughs> but the uh, it, please, 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 what really benefits us is if you tell somebody else about the podcast, that's what we appreciate. Appreciate, but we also appreciate if you are on Apple. Um, if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a review um, or at least hit, give us five stars. It makes uh, it makes a difference for how people can find us. Um, we, if you haven't subscribed, we still encourage you to subscribe. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, the new Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and a whole bunch of other sites. We're also on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and all the other. Um, you know, uh, vacuous sites uh, that you can, where you can find us. And uh, we always encourage you to reach out to us and give us some feedback. And we look forward to talking to you again in a fortnight.